the thief comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Okay, so come with me to the book of First Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 4. Let's go. I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to... Now, let's start it together. One go. Everybody, forget about your tablet, your phone. Look on the screen and look and read with us. One go. Could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to Kana. I fed you, verse 2, For until now, you were not able to receive it. For you are still, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you. Take note of the word me man. Somebody say, I'm not a mere man. For when one says, I am of Paul, and another say, I am of Apollos, are you not Cana? Praise the Lord. This is very, very instructive. He said, you are not a mere man. You are behaving like mere men. For you are second of verse 3. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not Cana and behaving like mere men? Somebody say mere men. Yeah. Uh, so, when you don't get to know who you really are, you begin to operate below capacity. None of you shall operate below capacity. Amen. And none of us shall operate below capacity. Amen. Shout better. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been looking at a series which we have broadly captioned living as a spiritual man. Somebody say living as a spiritual man. Living spiritual man. Say living as a spiritual man. Living now you need to appreciate the fact that the world we live in is a spiritual world. That's the word we live in. The Bible says, uh, though we are in the world, we are not of the world. And then again, he says, for though we walk in the flesh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not do business after the flesh. So we live in a spiritual world. Say that with me. We live in a spiritual world. And if you are going to make it, you have to be spiritual. Somebody say you have to be spiritual. Yeah. Everybody who is making it in one way or the other is connected to some form of a spiritual force. Yeah. There is nobody who makes it on this planet with their naked eyes. Are you with me here? Yeah. You are either making it with God's power or you are making it with demonic power. Jesus was told by Satan. He said, what you want to get, you can get it by not going to the cross. 
When you go to the cross, you receive it God's way. But I can also give the same thing to you. I can give you the same thing. I can give you the same thing. You don't have to go through it. So, everybody is receiving something. Who you are receiving it from is a question. It's not a function of whether you have something or not. You are receiving something consciously or unconsciously. The question is who is giving it to you. That determines its expiry date. That determines how long you can hold on to that. So, we established the fact that there are three kinds of people in the world. Number one, we said we have the natural man. Somebody say the natural man. The natural man, the Bible says, he cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. The natural man thinks that reading your Bible doesn't make sense. Coming to church doesn't make sense. Giving to God doesn't make sense. Everything that does not make sense means a lot for the natural man. He's very logical in his approach. If he cannot intellectually uh, analyze it, he's not something he's into. He's not a fool to be given to something he cannot mentally be able to dissect and assimilate. That's how the natural man talks. He's limited to natural knowledge. So knowledge comes to him only through his natural engagement. And then of course, we said we have the spiritual man. Somebody say the spiritual man. Now the spiritual man is different. We have talked about the natural man, so I'm not going to belabor that point. Uh, I talked about the carnal man. Somebody say the carnal man. This is the difference. The carnal man is born again just as the spiritual man. The natural man is not born again. He doesn't believe in God. He doesn't accept Christ as his Lord and Savior, so he's not born again. But the carnal man is born again. The Holy Ghost lives in him, but he's not yielded to the Holy Ghost. The carnal man is controlled by his feelings. He's controlled by his natural thinking. He has not allowed the word of God to transform his thinking and mentality. The Bible said, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you got born again, you did not receive a re-engineered spirit. You did not receive a refurbished spirit. You were given a brand new spirit. Somebody say, I have a brand new spirit. Say, I have a brand new spirit. Now, that brand new spirit is perfect. There's no defect in that spirit. That spirit is clean. It's holy. That's why God describes you as perfect. Because the spirit in you is a perfect spirit. But you are spirit, you live in a body, and you have a soul. And usually that's where the challenge comes. So if you want to meet a carnal man, a carnal man is soulish. He lives at the mercy of his soul. What he feels, what he thinks, what he wills. Whether it's in sync with the word of God or not, that's what a carnal man does. And then of course, we have the spiritual man. And the spiritual man is a man that God expects you and I to become. So we are considering, we've looked at the carnal man, we've looked at the natural man, now we are looking at the spiritual man. First Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 15. But the natural man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God. For they are fully meaningless. They are what? In fact, he says, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical to him. He is incapable of what? He is incapable of what? Because they are spiritually designed and appreciated. He is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. Are you with me here? Yeah. He is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. There are some people you don't discuss uh, offerings with them. No. They don't understand it. You don't discuss prayer with them. 
they don't understand it. And we have been praying and praying and praying and praying. You don't waste your time for some somebody like that. Now, our focus, like I told you, is on the spiritual man. Somebody say the spiritual man. That six facts I want you to appreciate about the spiritual man quickly. Number one, the spiritual man is spiritually alive. He's spiritually what? He's spiritually alive. In other words, he's born again. To be born again is simply means to be spiritually alive. To be spiritually alive. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And you, somebody say, and you. Let's read that together. And you he made what? Alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So before you got born again, you were dead. You were spiritually dead. You remember in Genesis, God told Adam, he said, the day you eat of it, you shall surely what? How many of you remember that? Now, did Adam die the day he ate of it? He lived. If you look at the account of the genealogies, he talked about Adam lived and so, so, and so, yes. So he lived. So what kind of death was God talking about? He was talking about spiritual death. So when Adam took the apple or whatever it was from the wife and took it in the Bible said immediately he died spiritually. In other words, he became separated from God. That is what happened. So everyone that is born in Adam is born spiritually dead. You are born dead. When you are born naturally, you are born dead because you were born in Adam. So the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians, as in Adam all died. Anybody who is born through Adam is dead on arrival. Somebody say dead on arrival. Spiritually dead. Cannot relate to God, cannot connect with God. That's how it is. And then he says, as in Adam all died. Even so in Christ, all shall be made alive. Somebody say I'm alive in Christ. Say I'm alive in Christ. So when you got born again, the day you took a decision, like some of you have not made that decision, you are going to be making it down. The moment you acknowledge Jesus, I acknowledge your lordship over my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Be my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again for me. And you make confession like that and you believe in your heart. From that moment, you become spiritually alive. Somebody say, I'm spiritually alive. Say, I'm spiritually alive. Now look, let's read that again. He said, and you he made alive. Somebody say, I'm alive. I'm alive alive in Christ. Give me the text again. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. And he says, in which you once walked according to the cause of the world, according to the prince of power, right? The spirit now works in the sons of disobedience. Among them also, we all once conduct ourselves in the laws of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, just as others. But God, somebody say, but God. But God, who is what? Rich in mercy because of his great love. Verse 5. Even when we were dead, By grace. So he's simply telling you that when you got born again, when you were saved, you were made alive. You were made alive. So when they ask you, are you born again? He say, yes. What does it mean to be born again? Is to be made spiritually alive. I'm spiritually alive. So the natural man is spiritually what? The natural man is spiritually? The natural man is spiritually? The spiritual man is spiritually? Praise the Lord. Okay. Now, number two, the spiritual man can receive or appreciate spiritual realities and truths. 
the spiritual man can appreciate. That's the second part you need to know. He can appreciate it. He can relate with it. He can relate. He knows why he must speak in tongues. The spiritual man knows that. He knows. He knows because he knows that there are many things that he cannot use his brain to wrap around it. Yeah. There are things that are going to happen in the coming week you have no idea of. And you won't know no matter how you think, no matter how you plan, no matter how you strategize. You won't know. But the Holy Ghost knows. And so when you begin to pray in another tongue, you are shaping your week. Am I communicating here? There are things people don't plan to happen but it happens to them. People don't plan accidents, they encounter them. People don't plan all kinds of things. But when you wake up in the morning, Monday morning, and you spend quality time, Tuesday morning, the moment you do that, you are setting an agenda for the day. The things you don't know with your natural mind, the spirit of God goes ahead to shape them in your favor. Are you with me here? So he can appreciate spiritual things and realities. He can understand them because he's spiritually alive. I cannot talk to a dead person. And a dead person cannot talk back to you. So you can't appreciate. You go to a, a corpse that is laid in state. See? <laughs> no matter how long you say it, it cannot respond. Why? Because it is dead. It cannot appreciate. Cannot appreciate. But the one who is spiritually alive can appreciate it. Number three, the spiritual man lives and walks in the spirit. He lives and walks in the Yeah. The spiritual man lives and walks in the spirit. The Bible says if we live in the spirit, we must also walk in the spirit. You see, the reason why you have to walk in the spirit is because you are a spirit being. Somebody say I'm a spirit being. Uh-huh. You were born by the spirit. You are supposed to live by the spirit. And if you live in the spirit, it's only natural that you walk in the spirit. How do I know I'm walking in the spirit? Check out on Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. He says, I said then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the last of what? Of the flesh. So if you want to know whether you are walking in the spirit or not, check how much of the last of the flesh you indulge in. It says, walk in the spirit. The moment you are walking in the spirit, you see that the lust of the flesh will not have control or dominion over you. He says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, somebody see the works of the flesh. Are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, leanness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outburst of rage, wrath, selfishness, ambitions, dissensions, heresies, evil, murder, drunkenness, reverence, and the like, of which I tell you before, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not enjoy the kingdom life. You can't enjoy the kingdom life. You cannot. The Bible says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When these things are in your life, you cannot enjoy the kingdom life. But he says, but the fruit of the spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against us, there is no, there is no. Uh-huh. So the Bible says, walk in the spirit. So you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. Number four, 
The spiritual man is led and controlled by the Spirit of God and not by his flesh. Somebody say he's led. He's led and controlled by the Spirit of God. The Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You have to be controlled by the Spirit of God. He is led and controlled by the Spirit. The body is not in charge in the life of the spiritual man. The body is not in charge. Somebody say the body is not in charge. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27. He said, I keep my body and I bring it under subjection. I keep my body. Say, I keep my body. I keep my body and bring it under subjection. How are you keeping your body? The spirit man keeps the outer body and brings it under subjection. So the spirit, in the life of a spiritual man, the body is not in charge. Somebody say the body is not in charge. It doesn't mean that that is always the case, but most of the time, the body is never in charge. The spiritual man is spiritually sensitive. All right? Number number six. Huh? How many of you see we are at six? I'm not confused. I want to be sure you are following what I'm doing. <laughs> the spiritual man sets his mind on spiritual things. He sets his mind on what? Yeah. He sets his mind on spiritual things. He's not given into series that does not edify him. Sermon series that was done in church. You have not listened to the podcast, but you are wasting your precious time watching to series on TV that is not edifying you. Yeah. Subscribing to Mnet series that is not changing your destiny in any way. Taking your money and your resources. That's it. The spiritual man says it's the Bible says, if you be risen in Christ, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. It says, if you be risen in Christ, set your affection on things above. Not things on earth. The spiritual man is spiritually minded. His mind is full of spiritual things. He doesn't allow junk to fill his mind. His mind is rude, is dominated by the word of God. Let the word of God dwell in you what? Richly. Somebody say richly. Yeah. If you meet a spiritual man and you quote, he will quote. When you meet a spiritual man, when you quote, they also quote. You meet a spiritual man, quote a scripture and say, ah. Is that one too in the Bible? I'll come there. That's where we are going actually. Number six. <laughs> the spiritual man is a mature Christian. The spiritual man is a mature Christian. And his maturity is revealed by his diet. Somebody say his diet. Yeah. He's a mature Christian. Look at what the Bible says. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. The New International Version. We have so much to say about this. But let's read it together. One go. We have so much to say about this, but it is hard because you no longer try to understand. Good, verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need some. All over again, you need milk and not solid food. Let's keep it there. You need milk. Who needs milk? How old are you? 25-year-old. How will you feel if a 25-year-old man, so a 25-year-old young man goes to the mother and says, Mommy, I want Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> but that's what the Bible is saying. It says, for the time you ought to be teaching others. You see, when you come to church, you are in school. The moment you get born again, you become enrolled. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy lady, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke and learn of me. So the moment you respond to the call, 
to follow Christ, you are following to learn. That's why it's the worst place you can be is a church where you are not taught the word of God. Because that is a church that is bound to keep you a baby for life. Most of us don't like to be babies. But we also don't know how to work our way from babyhood. Yeah, Some people, the church that decides the most is where they are prophesying on their heads every day. That's a baby. That's a baby. That's a baby. Because when you mature, you become the prophet of your own destiny. I'm not communicating here. You become a prophet of your own destiny. You become a prophet of your own destiny. My day does not go the way it wants to go. My day goes the way I want it to go. I'm not communicating here. Yeah. That's it. So, that's what he says. It doesn't mean the ministry of a prophet is not, but when a prophet communicates, he communicates to confirm and establish something that is already a witness of in your heart. Are you with me here? Yeah, but if you are always looking outside for what everything you need to live the life God wants you to live has been given to you. It's not in another person's hand. That is why when you come to church, we don't do anything but to show you what is available for you. You know, when you meet a baby, a baby is always looking for, buy something for me. But when you meet a matured person, a matured person wants to be taught how to make money. So I can buy the things for myself. Are you with me here? That's what you get from a proper church. If you are clapping, you better clap. That's what you get. Their maturity is revealed in what they feed on. Babies feed on milk. And there are things that even now, if I teach you now, you will not appreciate. Because you are not there yet. And so that is what we are talking about. Those are basic facts about the spiritual man. But I've walked you almost two months through introduction. Somebody say introduction. I think it's about a month, right? We have done about a month of introduction. Now we are going to begin the journey of the spiritual man. How many of us want to become spiritual people? Good. 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 So, we'll be exploring from scripture the attributes of a spiritual man. And today we will just introduce it briefly. The spiritual man has many great attributes. How many of you have been reading 1 Corinthians? Lift up your hands if you've been reading it. I know some of you, no matter what I do, you will read it. Yeah. And it shows your place in the future of this church. I mean, the Christian who cannot defeat Satan easily is a Christian who is not wedded. Not the Christian who does not pray. The one who is not wedded. If you are praying, but you don't know the word of God, Satan is not afraid of you. Let me tell you today. Satan is not afraid of you. Yeah. Sometimes during some of our interviews for leaders and other things, you ask them, how long can you pray? Then you say, I pray for one hour. How long do you study the word of God? He said, maybe 15 minutes. You are not serious. Yeah. You, are, you speak to God for one hour. How long does God speak to you? 15 minutes. That's why he's showing in your life. Am I communicating here? Yeah. Yeah. What prayer does that? Prayer opens up your spirit to receive the word of God. That's what prayer does. That's what prayer does. Now, imagine somebody says, I am breathing. I breathe 18 hours, but I eat once a day. Or I don't eat at all. Which is like the, the, the case in most people. I mean, in this city where they have all manner of all night on this thing, there are people in their room, they do all night, but they've never done all night with the word of God. When Satan came to Jesus, Jesus did not bind him. He said, it is written. I'll come and do a series on it. It is written. It is written. It is written. And Satan left. When you are angry with your spouse, you want to slap her. What do you know? What comes to your head that it is written? Nothing like that. Nothing like that. 
That's why I spent quality time to develop words I must know. I develop a, a booklet. Must know. Scriptures you must know. You see, life, eh, there are things you cannot control. They will come. And when they come, if you'll be able to win, it's a function of what you know. It's a function of what? There are things you must know. You must know. There are scriptures you must know. This New Testament, there are scriptures you must know. I cannot be depressed. I cannot be depressed. I'm not saying I will not be tempted to be depressed. I've been tempted many times. But I know too much of the promises of God concerning my life, his love for me, my future, that I can never, no matter who I lose. No. Some people have a crisis and it begins to uh, take a, a big toll on them. Something small happens and they can't come to church. They say, Papa, I'm broken. I'm emotionally down. How can you be emotionally down? Emotional downness is depression. And you are depressed because of what you don't know. Because you think that your life is ending. Maybe you lost your job. So uh, that is it's over. The Bible said to him that is joined to the living. You may not have a job but you are alive. To him that is joined to the living there is hope. The company has no plan for you. That's why they laid you off. But the Bible said I know the plans I have for you. Plans of good and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Now listen. Listen. When the temptation to be depressed comes, there must be something in your spirit that you use to answer. That is the word of God. Prayer will not do that. I know people who, the more they pray, the more they become afraid. Because you don't cast fear with just prayer. You cast fear with knowledge. Am I communicating here? You cast fear with knowledge, not just prayer. There are people, they become more fearful. The more, because, you see, the more you pray, the more you become emotionally overwhelmed. Because you are not even praying in agreement with God's word. Your fear is what is bringing you into prayer. Not faith rooted in the word of God. Are you here with me? Listen. Don't stay in this church and be a baby. In the next five years, I don't want to see a spiritual baby. The spiritual babies I want to have around are those who are newly born. Newly what? Yeah. But after in being in this church, five years, two years, three years, and the same problems. No, no, no. That's a baby. Still in diapers after five years? That's a baby. That's a baby. That's my focus this morning. In fact, this one, our focus is the spiritual man. The first attribute we want is that the spiritual man is a man of knowledge. He's a man of what? He's a man of knowledge. He's not ignorant. He's a man of knowledge. He knows. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12 to 14. He said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know. Now listen, this is why the Holy Spirit was given to you, so you know. The Holy Spirit was given to you to help you in knowing things you don't know. That's one principal reason for the Holy Ghost. It's not just speaking in tongues. No, no. When he comes, he will guide you into all truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. May I submit to you, the reason why you are not free is because of what you don't know. You are bound in chains to all kinds of addictions. Pornography is because of what you don't know. You don't know that you have power over pornography. That's why you are addicted. It's because of what you don't know. It's because of what you don't know. The Holy Ghost has one major business. Is to help you to know. In fact, when you look at Isaiah, when he talks about the seven spirits of God, a, a lot of them have to do with knowledge. The spirit of knowledge and of counsel, the spirit of wisdom and of, of the fear of the Lord. All of those things, they have to do with the mind. That's why Christians who are prayerful but mentally alive, 
Those are the Christians who win in life. Christians who are praying, 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 but they are not strong in their head here. They will always end as victims. They will always end as victims. The only place where I see that the natural is the same as the spiritual is the place of mental development. In the natural, those who develop their minds, they go very far. They go very far. They go very far. There are a lot of things they don't do. There are a lot of things they don't waste their time on. Because they know it already. The, the spiritual man is a man of knowledge. He's a man of what? Knowledge. He's excited about knowledge. A spiritual man. No, it's not, not somebody who feeds on trash. Feeds on ignorance. No, 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 no. no. He doesn't just clap about anything. He claps about substance. Am I communicating here? Now we have received the spirit of him. Not the spirit of a word, but the spirit of that we might know the things which are freely given to us by God. Do you know why you need somebody to prophesy a certain thing to you? Because you don't know what has been given to you. When you don't know what has been given to you, you are always looking out for somebody. And now my business and my calling at this phase of my life is to show believers what is yes in Christ. That's my assignment. What is yes in Christ? That's my assignment. That's all. That's all. That's all. Because when you get to know that, nobody can put you under. Satan is not a factor in the equation as far as your success and your meaningful existence is concerned. He's not a factor. He's not a factor at all. Satan is not a factor. Your ignorance is a principal factor. Your lazy fair attitude towards knowledge is a critical factor. Your non-challenged approach towards God's word is a critical factor. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. In other words, you will be ignorant of the truth and you remain perpetually in bondage. The Bible says that we might know. We might know the things which are freely given to us by God. Which things also we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Alright, the spiritual man is a partaker of God's divine nature. Somebody say, I'm a partaker of God's divine nature. Yeah, you are a partaker of God's divine nature. This is what you need to know. You are a partaker of God's divine nature. The Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians six seventeen, he said, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. You are one with the Lord. Somebody, I'm one with the Lord. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. And 2 Peter 1 and 2, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Somebody say all things. Now, he didn't say according as his divine power shall give unto us. He has given unto us what? All things. Somebody say have all things. Now, take note. He's given unto us all things that pertains to life and godliness. But how do we access them? Through the knowledge of him. Through what? Through the knowledge of him. So, all things are yours. Like he says in 1 Corinthians. But you cannot operate and function in all things in ignorance. It is through the knowledge of him you become a partaker of his divine nature. So, you have his divine nature in you. But to manifest it practically, you need to grow in the knowledge of him. The Corinthian church had a lot of challenges. But principally, I've been reading the book and it's amazing the number of times Apostle Paul puts the question, do you not know? Do you not know? Do you not know? Let's see a few of them. <laughs> First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 16. He said, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? Do you not know? Somebody said, do you not know? 
Now, all the no's I'm talking to you about, they, they come from one Greek word, Iwedo. Now, that word means to be aware of something, to become conscious of something. That's what he was talking about. He said, do you not know? That's the first thing. And then again, 5, 1 Corinthians 5, 6. He said, your glory is not good. Do you not? Do you not? Do you not? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1 to 3. There any of you having a matter against another, go to the Lord before the unrighteous and not before the saints. Look at verse number 2. Do you not what? Do you not what? He said, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And even if the world will be judged by you, are you not ready to judge the smallest matters? Verse 3, do you not know? Are you following the number of times? Now, this was a church that was filled with a lot of problems. And Paul is addressing them one after the other. And he didn't come and tell them that uh, Satan is taking advantage of them. He didn't tell them that the witches in your family are stronger. He was telling them, do you not know? 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 When you become aware of what is available, it changes your mentality. When you are going into a house, uh, Dr. Sego, he has some um, great uh, dogs in his house. But when you are going to his house and the dogs are caged, there's a way you walk into the house. But when you are also going to the house and the dogs are on the loose, you may not even enter at all. Your knowledge of the state of the dogs will affect how you enter the house. Am I communicating here? There are things you are running away from which are actually running away from you. But because you don't know, you are running away from them. Things you are running away from. They are running away from you, but in your ignorance, you are running away from them. Chapter 6, verse 15 to 20. You see, I want you to be hungry and crazy about knowledge. The knowledge of Christ. The knowledge about Christ. He said, do you not know that unrighteous are not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 15 and 16. Do you not know your bodies are members of Christ? Do you see that? Your bodies are what? Uh-huh. He said, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So your bodies are members of Christ. My hand is a member of my body. Are you with me? The moment I cut this thing off, something will go wrong. He said, do you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Okay? Now, continue. Go to chapter 13. 9 verse 13. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the altar? And then chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? The word know has to do with to become aware of something. It's not to discover. Become aware of it. It's already there. Become aware of it or become conscious of it. Become what? Become conscious of it. Become conscious of it. Become conscious of it. There are a number of things spiritual man knows. And we'll touch on a few of them. In this service. The spiritual man is a man of knowledge. Somebody say the spiritual man. Is a man of knowledge. Yeah. How many of you have heard that spiritual maturity is not a function of knowledge? How many of you have said that you have heard that before? The spiritual maturity is not a function of knowledge. It's a common statement that people make. Yes. If you say spiritual maturity is not a function of knowledge, you are wrong. Yeah. But if you say spiritual maturity is not limited to knowledge, then you are right. Spiritual maturity is a function of knowledge. Natural maturity begins with knowledge. Am I communicating here? 
Yeah, you cannot become spiritually mature if you are ignorant about spiritual things. You cannot become spiritually mature. It's not by osmosis. You do that by knowledge. What you know. How can you say I'm a graduate and you have not gone through JHS, SHS? I've been supernaturally anointed as a graduate. Who, who did that? Three things that the spiritual man knows. One, he knows who he is in Christ. The spiritual man knows who he is in I said the spiritual man knows who he is in what? He knows who he is in Christ. And this letter actually starts with that revelation. This letter. Before he went to talk about all the problems in the church, first of all, he made them aware who they were in Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2. He said, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ. Can you see that? Them that shall be sanctified. Them that will be sanctified. Them that one day become sanctified. Them that are what? Sanctified is a completed job. This was a church where people were doing all kinds of things. Including somebody staying with his father's wife. But Paul said, these are sanctified people. He said, when I came, all of you were carnal. But that notwithstanding, you are sanctified people. Paul did not begin and say, you people are disgracing God. You all go to hell. No, no, no. He first of all brought them. He wanted them to be aware of who they are. Because when you know who you are, it influences what you do. Most of the time when people come to church, we quickly want to tell them what to do. How to dress. How to, no, no, no. Those things are not important. First of all, let them see who they are. Nobody tells an ambassador to dress decently. Nobody tells a royal how to dress. It's in them. The consciousness of the fact that you are a royal or you are marrying into the royal family of England. If you are Meghan Markle, whatever. <laughs> if you know you are Markle and or Meghan and you are not ready, then you know. But when you come into a royal family, they take time to school you. Are you with me? Now, do you know you are in a royal family? We belong to royalty. You are a chosen generation. He took his time to choose you. It didn't just, uh, it's not just a gift somebody gave you. When they give you a gift, even if you don't like it, in order to be nice, you just uh, accept it and take it. But he chose you. You have not chosen me. You know, in the days of Jesus, disciples chose their masters. That's one of the things that was different from Jesus' ministry. That's why they had a lot of problems with him. In the days of Jesus, a student, a disciple, will look at all the teachers and say, I like the way this teacher is doing things. I want to be taught by this teacher. Then they will choose. But when Jesus came, he said, nobody, listen, I'm going to select my own students. <laughs> because what I have to give is too weighty that I will not just put, cast not thy pearls before swine. I won't waste my resources. So, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. And ordained you. No, if you want to know how special you are, Think about who chose you. I don't have inferiority complex. It cannot stay in me at all. A gentleman that you so you think you so love did not choose you to marry you. But God has already chosen you. Before any human being chose you, God chose you. Before you were a blood clot in your mother's womb, I ordained thee and set you apart unto myself. You are chosen. Somebody say, I'm chosen. I like the song. I am chosen, no forsake. I know who God says I am. You have to know it. You see, uh, by the time we are through, uh, a lot of songs will not be sing on this church again. No? No 
Listen to what I preach and listen to songs that sing with it and sing it. Among the trainings I'm going to do is one of those trainings I'm going to do. As I come into your presence, past the gate up. There are songs that are good, that they make you feel that God is so far away. I just want to be where you are. I'm seated with God in Christ Jesus. Then you want to be where he is. He has already brought you to where he is. You are singing, I just want to be where you are. A whole orientation. It takes a lot of orientation for that to happen. Your mindset must change because the songs you sing, they form your attitude, they form your mindset. And they reflect in your behavior. They reflect. He knows who he is in Christ. That's why he calls him. The spiritual man knows he's a new creation. All things are passed away. He knows it. He knows it. He says, uh, <laughs> if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. These guys were struggling, letting go of old stuff. Paul said, listen, you have to know who you are. You are sanctified. And as a sanctified person, you don't have a will of yourself. You have been set apart unto God for God's use. You can't just pick yourself and use yourself the way you want to use it. No. When we say something is sanctified, it means it's set apart for special use. Are you not excited God has set you apart for special use? You cannot desecrate yourself. Somebody say an amen. amen. Yeah. So he knows who he is. The spiritual man knows he's a child of God and nothing can separate that. What shall separate me from the love of God? Nothing actually brought me into relationship with God except the grace of God. And nothing can separate me from it. I did not come to God. God came after me. And when he laid hold on me, he took a vow that once I've responded, I will in no wise ever be cast out. That's why once you are saved, you are saved for life. A lot of people have a difficulty accepting the reality of eternal salvation. Salvation that uh, you can lose your salvation. Where? Where did you lose it? Who, who gave it to you first in the first place that you are going to lose it? Am I complicating here? The Bible says, whosoever had the son had life. You have life. Whosoever believed in him shall have everlasting life. A lot of people need to go back to school and learn grammar because everlasting doesn't seem to mean a lot to any people. When the Bible says everlasting, what is everlasting? Everlasting means that it's for some time. After a week, when you do well, when you live your life in a way that is holy. Talk to me. Is that, is that everlasting? You have, you have life as long as you pay your tithe. You are saved. As long as you are a giver, you are saved. No, he said, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He knows he's a child of God. And as a child of God, he knows that certain things cannot happen in his life. <laughs> Whose child you are makes you aware of what is available for you. When I'm in a car, the reason why Accidents are not permitted, and if today happen, I must come out alive. It's because that's not my destiny. Am I communicating here? That's not my destiny. I'm a carrier of God. Let God die first. Yeah, let him die first. He said, For my life is hid in Christ in God. My life is not in the car. I'm driving Land Cruiser, so I'm safe. That's foolish. <laughs> my life is hid in Christ, and Christ is in God. That is where. They say, the witches of your family have risen against you. Pa. That's why you are not doing well. Where did you take your life? Where did they find you to be able to reach out to you? Your life is hid in Christ and in God. Somebody say an amen. amen. You are a child of God. 
He knows he's the righteousness of God in Christ. Help anybody who Satan is blowing a wind of sleep on them. Help them to open their eyes. Yeah. Because if I was standing here spewing out prophecies, calling your names, all of you will be alert. Yeah. But no matter the sharpest prophet that comes here, no prophet can prophesy to everybody. But the word of God will always reach out to everybody. That is what strengthens you. Listen, I for prophets, I have two strong prophets in my family. My other brother is a prophet. The last but one, you have experienced this ministry. And they will come and bless you. But I don't want to raise a baby church. I don't want to pastor a baby church. Number two, he knows who he is in Christ. He knows what he has in Christ. What do I have in Christ? You need to know it. <laughs> the book of uh, uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 1. He said, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. You can't lose your peace. You will never lose your peace again. Hey, pastor, said, you don't know what you have, so you are confessing the wrong thing. And a man will have as he said. You will have whatsoever you say. No, that's not the confession of the new uh, spiritual man. That's why the spiritual man, when he speaks, other people who are not spiritual get angry. They will get angry. They are going to preach somewhere and say, Me, I can't die through road accident. They say somebody was in the service who was offended. Later on, I heard that the person was offended. I say, Hey, oh. You're offended. I didn't say you won't die through road accident. I said, I cannot die through road accident. Must I come and tell you that I will die through road accident? Maybe you want to say that for yourself. And later on, I was told it's because uh, the father uh, or somebody related to her died through road accident. He didn't know what you know. You see, it's, it's sad when you think that what happens to others must happen to you. You must know what is expected to happen to you. You must know it. I've come close to near-death accident many times. Even last week. Many times. But no, 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 no. It's not something that is a, a, a matter. I'm not going to heaven with any part of my body broken. Every part shall be intact. He said he will keep his angels charged over you to keep you in all your ways. Not a single one of their bones shall be broken. You can confess whatever you want to confess. That is the realm you are operating in. I live in another realm. You are. He said, we are in the world. We are not of the world. There is no way an American ambassador in Ghana will talk. Hey, the economy of Ghana is too hard. I can't buy something. They don't understand what, listen, when they, they, when they, they show that, they are just showing sympathy. But whatever is happening to you, they don't care about it. They don't even trade with your CD currency. The way the CD business is not doing well because they listen, that's where they are. They operate with the superior currency. And your currency is faith. And faith answers in every situation. The just shall live by faith. Not by the circumstances around him. Praise God. He knows. He has peace with God. A lot of believers always think that God is against them. I will show you that God is never and he can never be against you. As a child of God. God is never and God can never be against you. The day God says he's coming against you because you did a certain sin, he has to apologize to Jesus Christ. What was standing between God and man? Jesus came. Mediator between God and man. He mediated and saw. That's what the Bible says. Now we we have been reconciled to God. You used to be enemies before, but no more. 
You used to be enemies. When you understand this, there is no there is no sin that should ever stop you from lifting up your mouth to pray and speak to God. No sin is strong enough. He came to you when you didn't have any intention of giving up your sin. He came to you. Now that he has washed you, sanctified you, and made you his own, how can he? How can he? How can he? He has forgiveness. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. Look at this. Yeah, 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 yo. You have to know what you have. We will touch them. We have to know what you have. You have peace. You have unconditional acceptance. Let's do that. Unconditional acceptance. Somebody say unconditional acceptance. When it comes to human beings, we have to do a lot to be accepted. And I teach you. That's why, I, I mean, I was doing a teaching like that in the first service. You have to know. When you go into an environment, there's a way you conduct yourself. If you don't conduct yourself in that proper way, you know, get, gain acceptance. There are people who are gifted, but they are not accepted because they don't follow the protocols. But when it comes to between you and God, there are no protocols. Somebody say there are no protocols. I, I actually expected to hear an amen. A, a number of you are still not on the same plane with me here. There are no protocols whatsoever. The Bible says, to the praise and the glory of his grace. Ephesians 1 says, by which he had made us accepted in the beloved. Not that we will be accepted. We have been accepted in the beloved. Do you know why a lot of people struggle with inferiority complex? They struggle to gain acceptance. They want to fit. I don't want to fit in any class. I'm in a class of my own. I'm in a class of my own. It's not, forget about your class. I'm in a class of my own. To you, I'm ugly. But to him, I'm his, uh, he so delights in me. I'm his number one, his greatest joy and pleasure. I have found him whom my soul loves. He has found me. And he so, for God so loved him. For God so, you see, he said, for God so loved He could not, the word so is a word that cannot be described. He so loved, he was looking for something to describe the way he was feeling, he was overwhelmed. You know, somebody would say, ah, when I hear you, then I feel, no. God could not describe his feelings. So the Bible said, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. He knows what he has. He has forgiveness. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. Why should you confess once in two times? Why should you confess two times? A boss, you did it how many years now? And you are still confessing it. To who? You come, Lord, you know what I did. I'm really sorry. So, what did you do? Because I will blot out your transgression. I remember your sins no more. There's no record for it. So, why are you keeping record to deceive yourself? Satan is bringing it to your membrane so that he can keep you defeated. Because he wants to keep you in a place of permanent bondage. You are under condemnation. God does not accept you. you. You think that you are okay with God. No, no. God is not happy with you. That's all he has. They call it tricks of the enemy. Somebody say an amen. amen. Somebody say an amen. amen. Let me close with this. He knows what Christ expects him to do in response to what Christ has done for him. He knows. The new creation. The, new creation. the spiritual man knows. And please take note. You see, he knows what Christ expects him to do in a loving response to what Christ has done for him. Please take note. The word is encoded in loving response, not in a legalistic sense. In a loving response to what Christ has done for him. 
The spiritual man knows. Somebody say he knows. <laughs> so when you read Ephesians, he will tell you like Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, he tells you, be ye kind, tender-hearted. Ephesians, yeah, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, not will forgive you. Look at that. Look at that with me. Let me close with that. Be kind-hearted one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, even as what? Even as what? How are you supposed to forgive? Please, how are you supposed to forgive? As God forgave you in Christ. How did God forgive you in Christ? How did he do it? That's, that's what you need to know. He did it without conditions. And he, he, he said you have forgiveness. People should have forgiveness with you. <laughs> Let me close with that. People should have forgiveness with you. Look at this. One of the things you have as a child of God is forgiveness. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. Alright, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. I'm closing now. Ephesians 1. Leave a hand or so. To the praise and the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Verse 7. In whom we have what? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches. Somebody say, I have forgiveness. Now, why do you have forgiveness? Because God knows that you will miss it. So he made forgiveness advance. He has already advanced you with forgiveness. <laughs> For years, I have been telling church that I, I live in advanced forgiveness. How many of you remember? I live in advanced forgiveness. He knows that you are surrounded by infinities. <laughs> he knows. He's not... That's why when something goes wrong, it's not, a, it's not coming beggarly to approach Lord. No, 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 it's not a matter. You see, forgiveness is not something you petition God about. Forgiveness is something you take. It's available, you take it. Are you with me? Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not that you're going to. It's available, you take it. When do you need forgiveness? When you have missed it. The moment you miss it, the Holy Spirit, not people, the Holy Spirit will convict you of righteousness. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of righteousness, immediately, oh Lord, I missed it. Thank you that I'm restored. Thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you for... That, that is... A, listen, when you read the epistles, you'll be amazed the number of times Apostle Paul was giving thanks. He starts all his letters, giving, I thank God, I thank God, I thank God, I thank God, because that is what an understanding of the New Testament will produce. It produces gratitude and it produces a loving response to God. You cannot understand the New Testament and not love God. It's not. Loving response. Nobody ever needs to beg me for forgiveness. No. Because I don't have to beg God for it. God has made forgiveness available. Make forgiveness available to your husband before he messes up. Because he will. Praise the Lord. He's a human being. I'm not saying that he's going to. He's, he's a human being and it can happen. He's a spirit being, but he has limitations in his flesh. But some of you, your mind, you have blocked your mind already. I deal with my husband. He said, can you imagine what if God decided that, okay, you, I will forgive you, but when it comes to this one, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Have you been blessed this morning?
Papa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you. Never, never, never